Hey, I'm Ray Hudson, and you. Hey, I'm Ray Hudson, and you are. I don't know who you are, but you're listening to Blaugranagram. Don't be like them kids in the Blair Witch Project and go away. Right? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Driven Shot Live Show. Together here with me is uh, Sam Marsden. How are you doing, Sam? Good How's afternoon, everything? Omar. I'm doing good. Good, good enough, you. thanks. Like you say, besides the the situation we're living in, I've had a bit of a bit of a, one of those days where everything goes wrong, you know. But there's still time to yeah, put things right. Happy to hear that. <laughs> of course, now during these times, everything is is so tough and so different. Living in this new normal. Um, so I hope that you're doing well, and I hope that all of our wonderful viewers and people that are tuning in here are uh, are doing well as well. So uh, Sam, thank you for uh, taking your time to join. Um, it's obviously an episode we've been talking about doing for a long time, so nice to see it uh, finally materialize. <laughs> yeah, I think it's been the three years in the making. Yeah, it has, <laughs> more or less. So um, today I was thinking we would touch on a few topics uh, for our viewers here, it's just kind of to give them an overview of what's going to happen. So one thing we're, I, I think would be good to focus on is, of course, uh, logically, the recent fixture between Barcelona and Atleti. And then um, I'm thinking, looking at some of Ronald Koeman's, what he's done so far with Barcelona, because there have been good things and there have been, you know, uh, bad things. And obviously that's something to take into account as well. And then very interestingly enough, uh, he decided to rest Lionel Messi and Frenkie de Jong. So that's something we'll, uh, we'll touch on as this goes on. So, uh, Sam, first off, what did you make of the Atleti game? It was quite a, quite a, quite a fiery encounter, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was. I don't know. It's, it's hard to it's hard to sum it up because so much happened, and it was uh, obviously the final outcome was affected by so many things which happened during the game. I think ultimately it was once again a sign of where Barca are at the moment, which is you know they're not the Barca that they were three, four, five years ago. They're a Barca which is definitely which is evolving, and I think. I don't like to be too too critical because we all know knew that this situation this season was going to be a tough season for them. Um, these sorts of results were expected. You know, they go away to Atletico, they lose one 0 It's a bad result in the scheme of the season because they've already dropped points. It makes things even worse. Obviously, there are lots of problems. There are lots of things which which need resolving. Neither the coach nor the players are absolved from complete blame, but they're in the situation they're in because of how the club has been been managed for the last five years. So you have to have to bear that in mind when you're when you're analysing the situation. And I think I was saying earlier to a, to another colleague, you know, that, yeah, Barcelona were not great on, on Saturday and obviously everything is conditioned after the Atletico goal. But in another scenario, it's not too far off you know, Barcelona performance there. You know, there's no mistake from Piquet and Testegen and then Messi scores a free kick at the end and they win 1-0, which is what has happened there in the past. And it's not too far away from that actually happening by the, by the one mistake. That is true. And I mean, I think... Um, as we were, of course, commentating on the game here, um, it was very, it was a very strange thing to see Ter Stegen do because usually he is more of a sweeper keeper than most. But at the same time, I don't think anyone expected him to go that far forward. And obviously, that's something where is it the fact that the team was he was he too complacent or was he just thinking he could run the risk and maybe get to the ball because he has done it in the past. Um, so obviously, that's something too. I think. Right now, this Barcelona, of course, is in a rebuild phase. Um, you know, Lionel Messi's future remains in the air as it's been for the past couple of months. 
obviously that's something that's got to at least affect the team, um, not just physically because obviously when he's not when he's not mentally at his best and not enjoying being at the club and being you know playing football the way he used to, obviously that's got to affect the team. But also it does take a mental toll on both him and the team, I think. So with that, I think maybe resting him, even though physically he might not be needing it as much, although obviously the international break just finished. Um, do you think that the that him being rested by Kuman? Because I, how I see it is I think it's more of a mental thing that he wants him to maybe try and sort of slowly get back into enjoying football in Barcelona. Or do you think it's more so because he realized that maybe he should have rested him against Atleti after the international break? I think, no, obviously he was never going to rest against Atletico. You don't rest your best players against yeah. Atletico. I think this game comes at a good time to to sit it out for, for Messi and De Jong. If you look, obviously, on the back of the international break, Frankie De Jong played three games. Messi played two games in South America, two tough World Cup qualifiers. Definitely. Only returned on on Wednesday night, couldn't train on Thursday because you have to be pending the test. So I had one session and then straight into the Atletico game. So they're, they're playing catch up really. So I think this, this Kiev game comes at a good time. I think as much as the, the mental break, I think the whole, you know, it's one of the, one of the further trips they'll have, have this season pending draws and flat rounds, you know, he could do without, you know, the, the extra flights after the load to South America. And maybe, Definitely. maybe that sort of mental, mental load, like you say, is the, is the important thing in terms of minutes. I'm not so sure. I mean, we have to take into account that Messi's 33 now, but Messi has always said he plays better when when he plays more regularly. Um, so I don't think he necessarily needs resting as much as some people as some people say. Although maybe he could use this week for more more preparation because it's been been mentioned to me this week. You know, the last few preseasons, Lionel Messi's not had a preseason, whether it's been because of an injury or because of a major tournament or because of the coronavirus. He's That's never really, really had a sustained spell of training. It's been matches, matches, matches. And, you know, I've not played the game at the top level. I don't know how important it is, but someone's commented that, you know, I mean, and it's only a week. It's not going to happen in this one week. But, <laughs> you know, maybe Messi does Messi does need that, you know, that time away from the game, that time not necessarily completely resting, but just, you know, training, preparing kind of his yeah. body there, yeah. Yes, I, I, think, I think that's a very good point. Um, because, you know, thinking about it from that, from that angle is that we, I, we were looking at the, at the, we were trying to look at the numbers recently, and I believe he hasn't rested... He he's been starting every La Liga game and played ninety minutes for so many games. It's a, it's a ridiculous number consecutively without really getting a rest. So maybe the rest, just even if it's just one game, and Barcelona are topping the group. Juventus second with three points, uh, three points away from Barcelona. So Barca do have some breathing room in that regard, and. I think for him, maybe because it's a Champions League game, which obviously does come with its own prestige and its own sort of atmosphere and aura about it, maybe it is a good time to rest him now because, of course, Osasuna, not the biggest of, thre of threats or shouldn't be to a team like Barcelona when you look at the, the, the names on paper. But I think maybe, as you said, maybe he did need that rest, especially now having played as many games as he has, it's been... You know, and he is 33, so he—I don't think his body will be able to to sustain 90 minutes of high-quality football every game for for the rest of the season. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. He doesn't. I mean, like you say, until that Real Betis game, if he just started that Real Betis game before the international break, that would have been 38 consecutive league games in a row <laughs> starting. He obviously came off the bench in that one and then played 90 again against Atletico, and they're the only 45 minutes he's missed this meaning. This this meaning this season, sorry. 
So, yeah, I mean, okay. managing his minutes moving forward is going to be interesting because, like I said before, he's someone who wants to play all the time. But at one at a certain stage in your career, you have to admit that that's not possible. I don't think we're at that stage mm-hmm. with Messi yet. But I think, you know, especially with this this fixture load, with the squeezing in all the tournaments and all the international games, it's taking its toll on on much younger, much fitter players. So you have to be wary of that, especially with, with a guy like Messi. Um, but Definitely. beyond that, something doesn't quite feel right with with Messi at the moment. I don't know if you feel the same. But just just when you watch him, you know, his, his demeanour, his mental state, the whole... It's I think different. everything that's it's happened at different. the club, everything that happened in the summer, the whole renewal, Suarez leaving. I think even though he's able to, to a certain degree, forget about that when you're on the pitch, because, you know, when you play football, you know, you kind of free yourself from everything. You, you forget about your yeah. worries. But it certainly looks and feels like like it's taken its, its toll on him. Definitely. I think it has. I mean, obviously, one thing is, you know, Luis Suarez, his friendship with him, they were very, very close, of course. Their families were very close. Um, and that's definitely something that I think has taken a toll on him, just the fact that Suarez left. Not re- not considering the fact that what happened with him in terms of whether he was leaving, whether he was staying, how things happened. And, of course, not to mention that the entire board of directors recently resigned You've gotten uh, a temporary board filling in for the elections that will take place soon. The club is in a state right now where there's just so much going on. And considering what happened with him in the summer and the fact that Luis Suarez left, let alone for free, which in its in itself is quite strange considering how much he'd done for the club. Um, I think definitely, as you said, I think that's definitely taken a toll and maybe even just taking a day's a match day off maybe that's what he needs the question just is do, will he get back to the form that we used to seeing i don't think it'll take one game of rest but because for many right now many people right now are saying that maybe his time is up in Bar- at barcelona maybe this is it you know maybe his chapter is is, is ending and he'll leave and that's it and the, the team will, the club will try to rebuild but for me i still think he has a role in this club, even for years to come. I don't know. Yeah, what do you What do you think of that? Yeah, I certainly think that Lionel Messi still has a has a role to play. I don't have any doubts about that. Even regardless of his age and contract situation, if I was the incoming president, I'd be doing all I could to to renew to renew him. his contract and and to keep him at the club. I think we're going to learn a lot more in the next sort of up until the new year. Now, the problem Definitely. we've had the season obviously started late. We've had two international breaks squeezed in. Barca have also had tough games, you know, Real Madrid and Atletico yeah, have already yeah. played. So they've now got a run of, you know, I think it's 10 games maybe before Christmas, seven in the league, as Ronald Koeman said before, yes. five, five of them are at home. They've got three Champions League games, which which are not free hits, but they just sort of need one point, maybe three to, to 100% put their place in the next stage. So those games come with with a little bit of a little bit of the pressure off. So they're going to be together now. They've got Definitely. a run of games. They're going to be training more regularly. There's no international breaks until March. So I think mm. we can now finally sort of start to judge from here, you know, the, the, the new Barca under Koeman, the new the new Messi under under Koeman and post trying to leave the club. We're gonna we're gonna learn a lot more in the next in the next six weeks. Definitely. And I think for many right now the talking point is that Ronald Koeman has you know, for, for one thing is that his substitutions have seemed, for me, the substitutions of the, the, the subs that he's made have been the right substitutions to make, but they have come quite late in the game. And obviously the manager will always perceive the game differently because he knows his players more than 
let's say, a, an avid watcher of, of that certain team would know him because he sees them at training, he sees them off the pitch and on the pitch. But the question is, do you think that's because he feels that it's less of a risk to play with the experienced players? Or is it simply the fact that he just doesn't think the youth players can fill in yet? Because we've seen a player like Pedri, who is more or less a regular right now in the first team. Um, so it's it's kind of it's kind of strange because on one hand he is making the substitutions, he's introducing the young players. Francisco Trincao is playing, Pedri is playing, Ansufati, of course. Dembele is slowly getting back into the team. But then on the other hand of that, I think it's still too early to say Ronald Koeman is not the answer for Barcelona because he's taken over from a team that was shook mid-season after Ernesto Valverde left. Kike Setien took over in the middle of a season struck by a pandemic, which I believe was, after, I think, a game or two into his tenure with Barcelona. The lockdown happened in Spain. Is that Am I remembering that correctly? Setien. Yes. Well, no, it would have been that Setien had two months, so he took over in January. His first game was obviously against Granada. He had, I think he had five, six, or seven games before before the lockdown. Obviously, he had the Champions League game at Napoli, had the Classico, Real Sociedad, Granada, a few Copa oh, yeah, games. That's true. They were all before before the lockdown. That's true. That's true. That's true, actually. I think it's because I'm remembering it as when Martin Brathwaite joined. He joined yeah. Barcelona, had, I think, one game, and then lockdown happened. It was something like that, at least. Yeah, so Brathwaite, yeah, he came was the Came on against Eibar, came on in the Classico the week after, and then he started yeah. against Real Sociedad in the one-nil win, and then that was the that was the last game. That was the lockdown, yeah, yeah. So like overall, that season in itself just was very very strange, and taking over a team that's just been through all of that, I think in itself is a huge task to take on for any manager. And looking looking away from Ronald Koeman's past tenures at Southampton at Everton, I still think that it's too early to say for Barcelona fans that he is not the answer because. He's taken over a team that's been through a lot and still trying to rebuild. A lot of new players came in in the summer. And there are some positives to take away from it, I think. Yeah, it's really, really difficult to know how to how to assess. I mean, even when he was appointed, it was difficult to know how to assess the appointment of Koeman. Because like you say, if you ignore all the all the Southampton and how he got on at Everton and how those, how those jobs ended, his work at Valencia, the thing with clubs like Barcelona and Real Madrid, and I said this when Koeman was was appointed not to not to back his appointment but just to try and find reason with why why maybe it could work why the club had been so insistent in sort of the last because obviously they wanted him before Setien so why he'd mm. been such a such a big target for them and if you look at coaches that do do well at, at Real Madrid and Barcelona historically it's not necessarily people you would consider the best coaches in the world so if you you know Luis Enrique when he came to Barcelona he'd sort of semi-failed at Roma he'd He'd done okay at Celta Vigo. He hadn't done done a great job. This wasn't this wasn't them appointing, you know, a Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp at their, at their prime. Problem. The same the same with Guardiola. And if you see Zidane coming in at, at Real Madrid, he came from from very little coaching background, just a year with Castilla, and was able to turn it around. So there is something to be said at Madrid and Barca for knowing the, the environment, as they say, and for being a past player and knowing how the club works. So I think Kuman has that in his favour, and I think in the press conferences and the fact he knows the club, we have seen. A bravery which maybe Setien didn't have. Um, mm. We have seen him willing to make decisions, such as playing Pedri, which seems obvious because Pedri's done well. But he is young; he's a guy that just arrived from the second division, and Kuman has, yeah. has given him a lot of chances. It's it's a brave decision, you know. He's stuck death straight in for the Clasico, so I think he's obviously he's prepared. If the if the young players are good enough, he doesn't see a problem with age. We've seen that throughout his career. 
I think a lot is made Definitely. of the 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 four two three one that he plays, but I'm not. I mean, obviously, I am big on systems, but in terms of giving them a number, I think if you if you watch football, if you watch games, teams are very rarely in a rigid rigid position. I mean, often you know the fullbacks are sort true. of up alongside the midfielders. A four two three one. It's kind of a kind of a lie, really, if you see the actual the actual mm. shape. The only qualm I have had with him so far, I've quite liked the elements they started the season quite well obviously it was never going to be brilliant from the start there are always going to be highs and lows peaks and troughs because this is a team bringing in young players but still with the the, the core of the the old team in Alba Pique Busquets when they're fit with Messi definitely but like you touched on before I mean the substitutions whether whether they've been late or wrong I mean and Koeman obviously knows his squad better than us he knows what he's doing he's been a manager he's been in the game longer than us but I have had some qualms with his with his substitutions, I just feel like they're a little bit like you're playing FIFA or football manager and you're like, let's when you're like 10 and it's just like, let's just chuck on all the attackers and get off the defenders. I just, I just want to see a little bit. It's maybe we've been, ambitious. maybe we've been, we've been spoiled with what we've seen in Barcelona and in recent years and in, in football in general with, you know, the stuff that Guardiola and Klopp and the way they've sort of changed the game systems, formations. And just, I, I look back at little things. I think there was even maybe like a, a big Real Madrid game when even just Ancelotti, like, they were losing. I can't remember if it was a game when they came back against Schalke or someone. And they literally just changed the fullbacks. I think before they had, I can't remember who the fullbacks were on. I think they brought on Carvajal and Marcelo. I think it might have been just, Schalke, yeah. It just changed the game. It wasn't about changing the, getting on all your attackers and trying to the, score. It's yeah. just about finding those subtleties, those those tactical <clears throat> tweaks that can that can change the game or break down a team. And I haven't seen that from Koeman yet in, in games. And that's, that's uh, obviously evidenced by the fact Barca have trailed in five games and they've, and they've not won any of those five games. And the two of them, which they which they didn't lose, were draws, were, were against Alaves, who were down to 10 men, and against Sevilla, who they equalised against pretty pretty much immediately. So it wasn't really an effect yeah. of anything which, which Koeman did. That's that's the thing, you know. And, and when I look back at, just to kind of have a, a line of comparison, when I look back at Kike Setien's time, as you were mentioning, he wasn't as, so to say, brave as Ronald Koeman was, or is being, but I think for Setien, he also, his situation was a bit more delicate because right now, Kuma knows that most likely, no matter what happens, he's not going to get dismissed because the elections are taking place as soon as they are. So he can experiment a bit more because he's the only person that they have right now. They can't really just dismiss him and get a new one because then the new president might want someone else. Whereas Kike Setien... I th at least the way I saw it, just seemed a bit more scared, not because he was scared of the heavyweights in the locker room or scared of, of you know, intimidated by the players, but more the fact that, at least the way I saw it, it, se it seemed like he didn't want to make anything too drastic because he knew that if he, did, if he messed up anything, he's going to go out. He's out the door because there's someone else ready. Yeah, I don't think it's a, a jump for us to say that. I think in that interview El, in El País that uh, Seti ended with El Bosque, he pretty much he pretty much summed up the situation um, better than any of us can do. That you know he wasn't true to himself, that he didn't necessarily make the decisions which which needed to be make, made. And I guess there were a couple of reasons. Some were partly to do with him not being brave enough to to make those decisions. And I guess the other reason was you know the fact that he was still fighting for trophies last season, so he had to weigh up. The long term, Definitely. the long term aims at the time, because he didn't at the time he wasn't thinking I'm going to get sacked in the summer. He had to think about you know the, the, the current season more than perhaps next season. So it wasn't perhaps able to make as as many drastic decisions as he would have liked for that reason. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, I'm just looking at some of the questions that we've gotten here, and I think it would be quite nice to to take some of them. 
Um, so Deep here asks, let's see. Uh, so this is an interesting point. So he says, everyone says Xavi needs experience, but does he really need one? He's managing the Qatar team, for, which is Al Sad, for more than two years now. Pep only had six months of experience prior to him taking over, but he did well. Now the question is, I can see that point from an angle of Pep Guardiola didn't have a lot of experience and look at him. But when you also look at Xavi, his experience is very different. And I think a lot of people that are calling and saying, we want Xavi to be Barcelona's next manager, get Kuman out, and back when Setien was appointed, we're angry at Barcelona for appointing Setien because they wanted Xavi. I think a lot of the, I think a big reason for people wanting Xavi is the nostalgia, is the fact that he's such a, a loved and adored player and person and a club legend. But given that he does have some experience, do you think he could be a good choice if Kuman, let's say things didn't go too well for Kuman and Barcelona had to look, had to look elsewhere? Do you think he'd be a viable option or is it too early? No, I don't think it's too early. I think it's like we touched on touched on before. Is you know the, the the managerial job at Barcelona is is different to managerial jobs elsewhere. And Xavi has that knowledge of Definitely. the club. He knows how the club wants to play. He knows the demands of the club. He knows the philosophy of the club. He knows the history. He knows the players. He's done well in Qatar as well. He's winning trophies. They've they've won more trophies since he was since he was a coach, and they won in the whole time he was there as a player. So he's obviously got some sort of credentials. I don't know how how his team is playing in Alsada based pretty much on reports that I read from other people. And it sounds like he's mm-hmm. doing well as a coach there. It sounds like he's ticking all the boxes, which you would want to see from a Barcelona side. So I think, yeah, I don't, for me, I don't think, I don't think there is another job for Javi. I don't think you say Javi has to go and prove himself somewhere else because where does he go to, to prove himself before coming to Barcelona? I mean, obviously he's in guitar at the moment, but I don't know what, what would the option be? Where do they want him to go to a mid table Spanish club? Do they want him to go to England? Do they want to go to do it? in a smaller, smaller league somewhere. So I think the experience thing is a bit of a red herring. I mean, Javi is a player who played until his, he was quite old. So he's already 40. He's not a young, yeah, young, did. young coach. I mean, you have some coaches these days in, in their early 30s. So he's not like yeah. young, young um, in terms of but he's not modern, old, modern old, coaching he's years. Um, yeah. So I know that for me. I think the only thing that I think about Javi is... <laughs> Maybe it would be best for him to wait, whether it's till next summer or the summer after. I just, I just don't know whether. I mean, again, again, this is something more for for players and people that have played the game or coach to say. But is he able to come in and not instantly, but in the coming years, we've seen Suarez and Rakitic and Vidali this summer. But next up, it's going to be it's going to be Busquets, it's going to be PK, it's going to be Alba. He's obviously friends with his guys. Is how's he able to manage manage these guys? I, in terms of his relationship with them. That's my only thing that I, I wonder about Javi, whether he maybe needs another mm. year or 18 months. But, I mean, I don't think it's even a question. I think it's just a matter of matter of time. I don't think anyone doesn't think Javi will coach Barca. I think he will coach Barca. The question is whether it's in January mm-hmm. next summer or the summer after. We will Before the 2022 World Cup, I'm sure Javi will be the Barcelona manager. Yes, no, I, I agree. I think, that's a, I think that's a really good point. I mean, again, where would he go to get experience? other than where he is right now, because obviously he's doing well with Qatar. And from what, I'm, from what I've read and a few clips I've seen, he, he seems to be playing a, a good brand of football as well. So it's not like he's just getting the wins by luck. Um, so it's obviously something to consider. I think, as you said, I think Xavi eventually will become Barcelona's manager. But I think that I'm also, and that's also the thing I was curious about last year as well, when, when you know, when the, when the stories came up. 
is that how would he manage players like that? If Messi was still on the team, how would he manage that? You know, that that's definitely an aspect, I think. And you'd hope that he'd be able to manage it properly and that they would have the same respect for him as a manager as they would for any other manager. But obviously a, a bond of friendship that they've had for as long as they had and been through as much as they were through together, it's definitely raises some questions. But I think he I think he will be up for the job. And I think whenever he does eventually take over, which I think will happen at some point, I think it will be the right choice. Um, obviously, if Guardiola is an option, that's that, that's a completely different question. But then maybe a Pep Xavi manager, assistant manager thing like he did with Arteta at City could be interesting to watch. Um, so definitely a lot of options. Um, speaking of Kuman, I'm just going through the questions here uh, on the streams. And of course, if you are tuning in and if you're enjoying this, do drop us a like, follow me and Sam on social media and uh, stay in touch with us. Looking at some of the questions here, um, Converse Football asks, why is Kuman playing a two-man midfield even though we're overrun? Why can't he play a three-man midfield? And I think it's go it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the 4-2-3-1 and the, the double pivot. I think, as you said, it's not a very rigid 4-2-3-1 that he plays, but because he prefers that formation and that style, it obviously makes it very difficult for players like Ricky Puch to come in or Carlos Alanya because they're not pivots by nature. They're more of a box-to-box or an attack and option depending on the circumstances. Do you think we'll see him play a three-man midfield eventually? Or do you think he's, you know, obviously considering what's happened? I mean, based from everything that Kuman said, and he says things straight, he says things clear, he's, it's not yeah, something he he's, he's, he's considering. I mean, he's... I can't mm-hmm. speak for his whole manager career, but obviously with the Netherlands, he was 4-2-3-1. He's been very clear that that's what he's going to stick with at Barcelona. I think for two reasons. I think the, the first reason is it's obviously the formation which he prefers and he's decided it's also the formation which which if doesn't necessarily best suit this Barcelona team, it's the best suits the midfielders he has available. He obviously doesn't, for whatever reason, he's not taken to Helenia or Ricky Puig yet and he's decided that basically he's got three options in, in midfield and that's Busquets, Pjanic and Frankie de Jong. So his choice is does he play two of those three or does he play all three and play the 4-3-3 and he's obviously decided that the four-two-three-one is better. So for those fans clambering for a four-three-three, and this this could be where I end up with egg on my face because maybe we're maybe we'll see three midfield tomorrow in an experimental game. But from everything that I've heard from Kuman, he's not he's not thinking about that at all. That that's that's yeah, that, I agree with that. I, I I don't think he will be switching to a four-three-three. I think it's an interesting question to raise, and if he does go into a very experiment a game where he can be afford to be very experimental, I could see him trying it out if things are going the way he wants them to. But it, it definitely seems like he prefers that 4 2 three, one. Yeah, And I mean, as you said, he's a very straightforward coach. I mentioned earlier, to speaking to, to a colleague as well, you know, it'd be nice tomorrow with the with the options Barza have to to maybe play Pjanic behind Pujanelenia and play the three-man midfield, give those two guys a run in the mm-hmm. interior position. But then... I guess also that's counterproductive for them because they're playing in a position which Kuman is not necessarily going to use long term. So maybe it would be better for one of them to have a run out in the in the double pivot position and sort of prove that they prove Kuman wrong that they can can play that role. That's true. I think also an interesting part of that is that he hasn't been playing Alenia and and hasn't been playing Ricky Puj. I think Ricky Puj has only a few minutes under his belt this season thus far. Um but think con- considering that and then taking into account the fact that he plays Sergio Roberto when he doesn't want to play Sergio Dest, whether that's to rest him 
which I think it has been. But then whenever he does put in Dest for uh, to fill in that right back spot, he moves Roberto to the midfield. The way I see it, Alenia and Puj add a similar thing to the midfield that that the same thing, not the exact same thing, but they are quite similar to Sergio Roberto in the way they play and the way they're quite energetic, dynamic box to box midfielders if they need to be. So the question is, is it because Sergio Roberto is slowly has become sort of a heavyweight at the club? And maybe that it's hard to not get rid of him, but hard to say, Hey, listen, you have to take it, be on the bench for this game for the, for the youngsters to start. Yeah, Sergio Roberto's role has developed. We obviously see him as see him now named one of the one of the four club captains. My Definitely. only question, my only question, and you know, I know there's a lot of clamour from from supporters who want to see more from Elena and especially Pudge as as academy graduates, and because especially Ricky Pudge, what he did at the end of last season, he was really good when he was given a chance. And he was under Kiki Setien. But the only thing, and I ask myself again, these the coaches, and I mean, people will say the coaches know nothing. You know, obviously there are people against Valverde, Setien, Kuman. But is it a coincidence? And I'm sort of half playing devil's advocate. Is it a coincidence that we've now had three coaches that haven't really played Ricky Pudge? I mean, Valverde and Setien gave him occasional chances. Kuman's not used him at yeah. all. And Elena. I mean, Elena wasn't available under under Setien because he was on loan at Betis. But that's now under Valverde and under under Ronald Koeman that he's not been given many chances. And, you know, if these guys were as good as we want them to be and as we think they can be, surely these these coaches would be given them more minutes. I don't know. I'm just playing devil's advocate, like I say, because if it was up to me, I would definitely... I mean, especially Pudge. I mean, I think... I mean, it's probably... It's hard to say Elena's had enough chances, but he's been in and around the first team for long enough now. I mean, I remember a couple of good games, but all in all, you know, he's... Time he scored against he hasn't the been the, the, the star well. player as yeah he has yeah as, as yeah as you're saying I, I I think and the fun thing is the thought that you just said about Ricky Pugin not being played under three different managers I was actually playing around with that um, as well and as we were talking about earlier the same thought struck me is that now not to say that Ricky Pugin doesn't deserve to play with the first team because I think he's at least merited a chance I think he's been. Very good every time he's played for Barcelona. But as you said, he hasn't gotten the chances under three different managers now. Now, for Kuman, you could argue that maybe it's because he doesn't fit into his thought of a double pivot. But then Setien, who said that he would trust the youth and was very explicit about that, very direct about it. And then Valverde, who slowly started to incorporate him. As you said, they haven't been playing him too much. And is that... a question of they don't that they don't think he has the right mentality or is it that they just don't think he fits into the style of play and in that case why not just send him on loan and i know from what i read this summer there were a lot of talks about him going out on loan and he wanted to stay and prove himself but if this goes on personally i could see him going out on loan in january yeah i mean i think the only thing that I can think is to do with Pudge because on the ball, in attacking areas especially, he's, he's direct, he's good, he's quick. Obviously, Kuman has alluded to the fact, you know, he has stuff to work on defensively and without the ball, which is why he doesn't play in that double pivot. But even, even that was mentioned before by previous coaches in terms of playing as an interior. So that can be the only reason. I mean, he is, I mean, he's, I think he's 21 now. He still looks about sort of he is, yeah, he is quite 17. Quite I remember when him, 
making his Barca B team debut and his mum driving him away from the mini estadi and him looking like about a 12-year-old. Um, but he actually is, he's older than we than we sort of realise, I think. I think we still expect him to be like this 15, 16-year-old because of his because of his baby face. And he's not really developed massively physically. He still looks, when you see him in person, he still looks quite yeah, small, quite sort of skinny. Um, and we've seen the modern footballer, the, 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 the Leon Goretzka transformation, if you like, at Bayern Munich, these big bulking players. So I don't know if, if that's an issue, if coaches want him to sort of, to, to build out a little bit and to, but definitely in terms of his work off the ball and defensively, there's 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 a feeling that the club is the only thing that I can say is that Ricky Puch need to to improve in in that sense. As for the loan, I mean, I mean it's it's out there. Kuman has obviously said he thinks it would be best if if Ricky went out on loan. Um, each to their own, I guess. Ricky Puch is determined for for that not to be the case. Carlos Olenia was the same for a while, and then we obviously saw him last season go. Go to Betis in search Betis. of football because he decided he did did need those minutes. So we'll see what happens with Ricky Pudge in January. I think it's really difficult to assess right now because Barca obviously have this run of games. They've already been absolutely annihilated by injuries. So maybe we'll get to January. Yes. And even if he's even if he's not starting games, it may be difficult for Barca to to let bodies leave if they're if they're still short. That's that's yeah, that's a very good point. I think also. Um... As you were talking about Ricky Puj and, and, and going out on loan, I don't think he'll be short of suitors. But I think the going back to it, like the fact that he hasn't been played and the fact that the physicality remains an issue is interesting because that was the same thing that was uh, being talked about about um, Artur uh, back then when he was in Barcelona. And it seems like it is a common theme that they want to make sure that, that, that their players are physical and they have this physical presence because when you come up against an Atleti who are, although they're not as physical as they used to be, they still are, they have some physical presence. You come against, you come up against a Bayern Munich, that's going to be tough. So I think the physicality remains an issue for him. And I think that's definitely a point to, to consider. We saw Coutinho when he returned from Bayern, he seems more physical and more, aware of the fact that he needs to be able to use his body to shield the ball. Um, so that's definitely something to, to consider. Yeah, I mean, we saw, I think, yeah, yeah, go I was on. just going to say, we saw with Pedri against Atletico Madrid. I mean, I don't think Pedri is a player that necessarily does need to, to improve in that aspect, but we saw how Atletico Madrid, I remember one time over on the touchline, he literally got sort of taken out by two men and it was kind of like, welcome to La Liga. Yeah, I remember, Atle I remember that. Atletico style, and it's kind of like just, just, just little things that you need to to keep an eye on or be prepared for. Not necessarily improve, but once you adjust or adapt or little things kind like of, that. Yeah, because I think some of them might be physical, but not being aware of how to use that physicality that they have, and so that's that's something as well. Not necessarily build more muscle, but know how to use the the muscle you already have. Um, let's uh, take a look at, at some questions before we. Uh, before we call this off. So uh, Fadis says, how do you guys see this financial crisis folding out? What do you think will be the best and most realistic solution? Um, what do you think? So. Yes, it's, it's complicated. I'm not, a, I'm not an <laughs> economics, yeah. economics graduate and I've not seen Barca's books. I think they're probably even worse than we know um, based, yeah. on, based on what we've been, been fed from the club. We've obviously seen that they need to wipe off almost 300 million from their, from their wage bill across the club. There's obviously been efforts to, to do that. Suarez, Vidal, Rakitic and others have left. We've seen new contracts for, for four players, to Stegen, Flanky, Piquet and Lenglet, which obviously come with wage deferrals. 
There's more talks or the end of negotiations this week for the rest of the players. I think in the end, the, the players will find individual solutions to to knock down their to their their wages this season in in exchange for for you know receiving the money at a later date. I don't think they're going to take wage cuts because this is a club problem. Through it's obviously coronavirus. You can't take that aspect out of it, but it's a That's problem that, in fact. that was created by the club. But there's a reason Barca's Barca's wage bill has been cut much more than any other club in in La Liga, and why they're in a worse position than than other clubs. And it's not just because of the mm-hmm. coronavirus pandemic. So that's obviously going to be be the key, the, the the wage deferrals, and then the rest will come down to the to the new president. I think it could get messy, to be honest, because the new board and the new president are obviously going to come in and try and you know blame mm. certain things on on the previous regime or say this this that or whatever. Um, so we just have to yeah. just have to hope that the incoming president does, yeah, does the does the right thing by the club. The does the right thing by yes. the club more than anything because there's the obviously the feeling that that's not always been the case with the with the previous boards. Yeah, I think I, I think you know the club right now, as you said, and as we've spoken about, they are in, in this delicate financial situation. Obviously, trying to find a way out isn't easy. I think they'll do it in a in a in quite a cautious way. I don't think, as you said, I don't think wage cuts will be a thing, um, and. Obviously, we'll just have to wait and see. So, uh, Sahel asks, do you think Messi will leave in January? That's a question we touched on earlier. I think the short answer, at least for me, is no. No, I don't think he will go. I don't think he will go in January. Beyond the end of the season, it's in- impossible to really give a clear answer now, which is a bit of a cop-out, but because we don't that, know that's who, the thing, yeah. who will be the president or who will be the board or even who will be the manager, it's really difficult to say. Um, if I had to bet, I would bet that he ends up ends up staying beyond the summer. Um because of a number of factors, just because will. of the the age factor and the the amount of wages he commands, I think even on a free might end up putting other clubs off. I'm not sure. I'm not 100, percent but just if I had to had I to go on it, I a could see that. I could see that. I could see that happening. Uh, let's see. Quick question here from Fadis again. Uh, thoughts on the Fonz versus Laporta debate that's been going on on Twitter for a while now, and who do you support for the candidacy? To be honest, I'm. I'm fine with either one of them, <laughs> with either of, of Font or Laporta. I think they've both had some, some. They've both said the right things, and Laporta obviously shown that in some aspects of it he is the man for Barcelona. Now, obviously, some things were went right, some things didn't go as well. So that's something to to take into account. I think Font has the fact that he's new and he has you know he's fresh blood, and obviously that appeals yeah. to the general public. Although that's, um, that's just uh, remember that Laporta's not not officially standing yet. Maybe maybe next Monday we'll have some news true. on that. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Tushar asks, "What actually is this team lacking? They train well, look happy in together, but no results." I think we've sort of been over that question. Um, for well, me, it seems more. Of, yeah, go on. No, no, that's the that's the the question that, that we and Ronald Koeman and everyone is asking themselves. Now, why is it why is it not quite happening? I think there's yeah, it's difficult. You know, they're lacking obviously depth at centre back. I think they'll be better mm-hmm. when Dex comes into the side. I like him more as a right back in terms of attacking than Sergio Roberto. Even though Roberto's had had his moments where he's created from there, I think Dest in the long term is going to improve this Barca side a lot. I think we're just also seeing you know young players coming into the team and to expect them to 
to deliver every week is difficult. We're seeing a team with a lot of young players and a lot of old players and not a lot in the middle. So we're seeing That's players so at the end of their career and their beginning of the career. And obviously the best teams are the teams who sort of are in their peak, you know, mid-20s, late-20s. And Barca don't have a lot of those guys at the moment. So I think it's difficult for difficult for Barca to to compete with, with Europe's best of the season. In terms of what they need, I think they need to improve a lot in, in midfield, really. I think... And as Kuman says every week, they need to take their chances. They need to create more chances. They need to get the best out of Messi. I think they need to get their Griezmann is, is increasingly a concern. They need to play with, with more width because they play with too many players that want to play in those central sort of number 10 roles. So, yeah, there's, mm. there's, there's a lot that they can improve. Even though, as that, even as that tweet said, there are, there are positives and there are things to, things to like about, about Barca so far this season. Definitely, definitely. That's uh, that's a very that's some very interesting points. Um, Converse football says about Ricky not being physical, um, and says that he doesn't think it's an issue with the player. That's fair enough. Of course, everyone has their opinions, um, and we we'll, we can only guess about why Ricky Puj isn't in 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 the lineups of Kuman. I still think yeah, it has like, something to do with the double pivot, but as we said it's before, we can guess, just, really. just speculate and play devil's advocate because. We don't know why he's not playing exactly and we have to try and work out and find reasons why why maybe it isn't i mean physically yeah, yeah. He has good like that atletico game he was fantastic maybe the, the the physical point has been taken a little bit out of context it was just more in terms of sort of the the defensive side mm -hmm. of the game as opposed to him getting knocked off the ball in attack or or anything like that yes uh, yeah it's, it's it's it was more meant in the defensive side of the game because obviously you need your physicality in a different way there than opposed, as opposed to when you're going forward. Um, on that note, I think uh, I think that's it for now. Thank you all for tuning in. Of course, remember, the, the Driven Shot Live show airs every Monday at 4 p.m. Central European time, so tune in. If you'd like some merchandise, use code STREAM10, that's S-T-R-E-A-M-T-E-N, on the Blogonogram shop for 10% off your next purchase. And if you'd like some podcasts, check out the Blog Underground Podcast Network. And on that note, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, and Sam, thank you very much for uh, for taking your time out. Hopefully, we'll see you on here again soon. Yeah, sure. Thanks and, for uh, thanks for having me on, and thanks for the questions. Hopefully, get through some more next time. You're very welcome, and I hope so too. All right, everyone, take care, stay safe, stay sane, and we'll see you next time. Roll the outro. My name is Phil Shane. And you've been listening to The Driven Shot, hosted by Omar Hawash in the Blaugranogram News Outlet. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you have a wonderful day, and hopefully we'll see you again soon.